So this is the, the the hilarious situation that we find ourselves in. So like this was the only time we could find this week to record, which I think like we've got to applaud ourselves for having got this done exactly forty eight hours before the episode needs <laughs> to go live. So fun forty eight hours for me. Um, yes. But in addition to that. Uh, I had a meeting that I'm actually currently blowing off. I left that meeting and it was, it was that, that meeting was at UWA and I was kind of like, okay, we're recording oh, no. at 530. So what have you done? I was like, we're recording at 530. I can go to the first 15 minutes of this meeting and then I can blow like to wherever we're going to record. And then like Jackson and I were talking and I was like, can we do it at your house? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, like this is my lab. No one will really be around. I could be able to find a room in the lab, but the audio is going to be so bad. And then I realized that there was another fun possible solution. <laughs> solution to this puzzle that we hadn't considered, which is here at the university where I work, also is my car. And we realised that we could just sit in my car in the parking lot of the physics building at UWA with a microphone on my lap in the front seat, a microphone on Jackson's lap in the back seat, fucking four laptops, one recording the audio, one with my show notes on it, and just be, you know, huge fucking idiots. What are the other two laptops for? We're both uh, just, just watching porn at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, not porn. We're watching, we're watching The Witcher. That's high art. Okay? Yeah, we're, we're watching Henry Cavill's Great Witcher Show on yeah. Netflix. That's what it's His called. Thick, oily muscles. But this is definitely like, would you say, Juice, like this is going to be freeing for you back there, actually. <laughs> I'm actually so comfortable. <laughs> I think this is the most, this is genuinely the most comfort I've ever felt during a recording. Oh. Um, I'm holding the mic we in one hand. We bring you into our like home nice, every week, nice Jackson, security thing. And this is what we get. But... Uh, my one co-worker who is still in the lab is definitely going to walk out that door <laughs> in probably half an hour and just walk right past this guy. <laughs> I just hope sitting here. somehow it's at the worst moment. Yeah, get him on the show. Like you're both yeah. doubled over laughing and it looks like you're just like, let's both sit in the car and suck our own dick. <laughs> Which, let's be frank, is basically what this podcast is at this point. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly what it's become, yeah. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the Curio Network. I am, as always, your gearhead, on the road, just fucking shifting gears dungeon master, Ben McAllister. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm riding shotgun, it's Jackson Usud. <laughs> I'm piled into the boot, Thomas Owen. I'm definitely not a roadhead enthusiast, Grace Jaffo. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, just a real, road just a real roadhead, Grace Jaffo. <laughs> now, now Ben, I have to ask, why did you, why did you... <laughs> pull the car out of the car park and drive away as, as you started, started the, the podcast. Mostly just to delight you and also me. Okay, great. Um, hey, uh, how's everybody feeling? 
Pretty good. Pretty steamy. Yeah. Um, is it what I was gonna smoky say where you guys are? It's not smoky, but um, it is currently 9 p.m. and 24 degrees and 83% humidity, so oh, it's oh, steamy. Fuck that whole city, dude. Oh. Fuck that whole city. It is steamy. Hey, <laughs> yikes! Well, on that note, shall we dip back into the wonderful world of Carthus and learn a little bit more about how to win win dragons over yeah. in our conversation? All the political yeah, intrigue over there. there. Make it happen, Magic Man. We see the Crucible. Maleficus is standing at the altar, preparing to begin his work. He removes a piece from inside a wand a twin of the wand which Elva holds, and places it reverently in a recess on the altar. He extends his hand to Esme, standing a short distance away, and she hesitantly approaches, holding out the piece from her necklace with a shaky hand. Just then, she gets a message on her sending stone. It's simple. Two words. Target acquired. She pauses for a moment and breathes an almost imperceptible sigh of relief, then composes herself. Maleficus, she says, and his head inclines towards her. The werewolf has acquired the soldier. He's bringing him here as we speak. Surely the others will be along shortly, and with them, their pieces. Maybe... Maybe we should wait. Rather than performing the ritual with just these two pieces, with patience, Maleficus, you could have them all. Now, I don't know what we're going to have in lieu of the uh, recap this episode, because in the last, like, five episodes, I've been doing the whole, um, you know, Valeria VO thing, but... Uh, we're not going to have that, so... Because that story's over. We're all caught up on Valeria for the minute. What if you just say, do a little announcement about the big recap? Yeah, be like, hey, you think you need a recap? You should have checked out the big recap. (laughs) Yeah. You want a recap? How about you recap these nuts? So now, not only do we have a recap that's, like, shaming people for <laughs> listening to a recap, we also have, in place of a micro-recap, instructions to go listen to a longer recap that will then shame them for listening to a recap. Yes, correct. All right, hey, so do you guys know what's going on? You guys are in the Temple of Sky. You just took down the giant put light the guardians. In. You walked over, you put the pieces in, you heard the hermetic seal crack open, and then you got a message <laughs> of your sending stones from Elena, which said, hey... Guess what? We were attacked, Garrick was captured, and I didn't see what happened to Andrea. So, <clears throat> that's the situation that we're currently in. You guys are standing right next to this chest. You've so just you received could literally, instead of a recap, just loop Brad Pitt's audio saying, What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Hey, so, what are you guys doing? You're standing there, you've got the What's in the box in front of you. Uh, you've just received that message from Elena. That's the moment that we're all in. Elva and um, Valeria, who are also with you, don't have sending stones, so they didn't receive that message from Elena. Uh, but you guys did, and you're standing in front of the box. Do you respond? Do you leave it for later? What's the go? Um, okay, so I guess we say, Where are you now? I'm with Drazilia's family and Alvar and some of the refugees. We're, we're in the woods north of, um, of Hastings. 
Garrick, before we separated, before he sent me and Alvar and the refugees off to, to get away from the town, he gave me the piece that you guys entrusted him with. So we're going to try and... Get away from him as you can. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I think Jody like probably like looks to his uh, associates without like using the sending stone and is like, are we not planning to potentially have to use all the pieces anyway? Do we do we need them to come to us? We need them to meet us at the crucible. Elva says, "Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Yes, we need all the pieces. Is it safe for them to try and do that? Do we need to go and collect the piece in some way, or can they meet us there? What like what do you think?" Elena chimes in at this point and says, "Um, so." The nice thing about having the peace, let me try and choose my words carefully, is we can get far away from them faster than we could without it, if you know what I mean. Because we can use it to get into a Yes, place. we know what you mean, any other later. <laughs> got it. Thank you. Look, um, we probably shouldn't talk over the stones. I know you guys are worried about them being monitored, but I have some information that is very relevant to you guys, and I think we should meet up. And I need somewhere I can take all these people that's going to be safe. And I know we left our former base of operations because we were worried that the king's forces were getting a little bit too close to it, but, well, the majority of the king's forces are in the Ashwood now at the, um, at the Crucible, so... I think it's probably safe to head back there, at least in the short term, and that's what I'm going to do. That'll take a while. Where's the Crucible? Did we already know this? You might have suspicions as to where the Crucible is. Um, Did, didn't we? I, I feel like we've sort of had a... Or at least Elva or someone has like sort of inferred that it's a Snakesbane Spring, right? It's been inferred... It's been like... Heavily implied that it's at Snakesbane Spring. Snakesbane Spring is the town that Duncan went to after he left his stupid Christmas-themed backstory town. (laughs) (laughs) The quarrying town, where uh, he had that flashback of that, like, weird rune being uncovered that matches the rune that says Crucible. So so she basically says, I'm going to go back to, you know, our former base of operations. Meet me there. I feel like we need to figure out how we clarify in character which base she means. And I was going to suggest Sanctuary. Sanctuary? Inchery. Oh, dude, feel free Inchery. to do feel What free the fuck to do did that. I just say? Inchery. I just said Inchery. Yeah, dude, definitely do that. What, what was the thing? How do we How do we even fucking get to Anilor in the first place? Wasn't it like... No, sorry, the cousin, there was a cousin in Sanctuary. Yeah, yeah so it was, it was Hasselback from Potatoes. Sanctuary's cousin, Kipfler, yes. the Potato King, <coughs> who, like, had, like, an underground railroad, basically, getting refugees from the Eastern League over to, like, Analore. Okay, well, then I think Jody chimes in and is like, perhaps we take the Potato Express back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, I would say, like, so that's over Sending Stone, and I love that. Um... Uh, uh, just for your reference, Elva and Valeria are like eyeing each other and being like, uh, Valeria chimes and says, um, are you guys talking to someone on the Sending Stones? And then over Sending Stone, uh, <laughs> over Sending Stone, you hear Alva go, oh, that's, um, that's not a bad idea. Are you referring to, um, well, the, uh, which place Don't would you like it. to, g- <laughs> yes, I, I'm not going to. But of the two of the potato kings, which potato king's home should we specifically visit? Alva, 
do you remember which potato we knew first? Um, absolutely, of course, yes. Meet us there. Loud and clear. So is this, is this episode going to be like Potato Begins or something like that? Like, is that where, like, we're going back to this the first episode, potato? Jackson, this episode is going to be How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons Finale Part 1, baby. This is, that's what it's going to be called. Potato Begins. So, yeah, Potato Begins. Absolutely. This is okay. the Dark Potato, Jackson. We're way beyond Potato Begins. The Dark Potato Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Druzzy's attention this whole time has been on the box, so what has she seen? Well, yes. So the box has opened at this point. It's... It's Gwyneth Paltrow's head, everyone. <laughs> no, dude, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's new Netflix series, Goop. That's right. She's she doing all kinds of crazy... She called This Is What My Vagina Smells Like. Yes, I also read about that. Very good. Very is that fun, real? It's real, funny, and it's selling stuff. really well, so who's the idiot now, I guess? Yeah. Um, what's in the box? Okay, so that, that connection crackles out. Alvar has agreed that they're going to meet you at where you met the first potato. Um, anyway, so what's in the box? That connection crackles out to static as the box finishes uh, opening. It was very slow, box opening. And <laughs> because none of you have answered Elva or Valeria, Valeria says again, who are you just talking to? What's, what's going on? You ever heard of Alvar Nettleford? My... Trusted confidant and former second in command of my research group, who <laughs> I entrusted you with my journal to bring to him after I disappeared into the web. Yes, I've heard of Alvar Nettleford. What about him? Yeah, we know it's very confusing. He's a very similar name to you, Elva. Don't worry about it. You'll get there. We're all Elva, over it. Elva chimes in and says, "Yeah, in hindsight, I'm sure that was something that looked a lot better on paper than it sounds pronounced." <laughs> <laughs> Sine have, like, knowledge metagame, so they can sort of, like, break through and sort of read Ben's <laughs> notes and that sort of thing. Be like, Alva, I bet that's spelled pretty differently to how my name is spelled. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> Valeria says, what about Alva? What happened with Alva? Were you just, you were speaking to him? Yeah, we've, we've organised a rendezvous. The king attacked his position. Oh, but Alva's okay, and we're going to meet up with him? Is that, that's the plan? Is... Is Garrick with him? Um. Yes. Hmm. Take a deception check for me, Duncan. Eighteen plus my charisma, <laughs> so it's eighteen. <laughs> Her insight was seventeen, so Whoa. she buys it for now, <laughs> and she says, "Oh, good, I." I can't wait to see him again. Okay, Jody no! tears up. Jody has tears in his fucking eyes. He doesn't say anything to shut down Duncan, but he is like nearly openly crying at that. I assume Duncan said that so that Valeria wouldn't have a breakdown right now and that things yes. could move along. Yeah. This is not me being like, I still remember that time she was cagey, told us nothing, <laughs> and then fucked off and got us involved in all this. And I don't want to punish her emotionally. That's not at all what this is. This is me being like, we have to keep moving. And if I don't get to go and save Garrick, she doesn't fucking get to go save Garrick. We've got a whole yep. damn world to save. Right. Very yep. tactical, no emotions. That's yeah. Duncan. Jody brushes at his eyes. Don't worry, it's all fine. Elva, E-L-V-A, says, All right, Luthor's chest is open. And you guys look inside, and you see an assortment of objects. And the sitting first... on top of them is the third NPC called Olva. <laughs> 
Yes, it's a little dwarf man named Olvar. He's down there and he goes, Hello, I'm Olvar. Welcome to my, t- <laughs> welcome to my town. <laughs> <laughs> and then he introduces you to his friend Bolvar. It's a whole thing. Uh, okay. Jimmy and Bimmy. Yeah, Jimmy and Bimmy. Oh, God. Oh, this is just a big throwback episode. We've already referenced Sanctuary, oh, the Tato Brothers. Throw up episode, am I right? You're right. The, the clown sled incident. Now I'm referencing Jimmy and Bimmy. My brother Bimmy the crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, see how many episode titles we can get into this episode. Yes. <laughs> title jizz, title jizz, title yeah. jizz. Speaking of title jizz, I saw Knives Out last night. Let me tell you, those knives were out, baby. Um, yeah, I came a little when he said Knives Out. Spoilers! No, it's fine. I'm when he says Knives Out in the trailer. Spoilers! <laughs> oh, um, okay, what's in the box? I know you're all dying to know. So, yes! you see an assortment of things. The first thing you see is a weathered, gnarled, dark stone hand basin, which you immediately remember from a flashback vision that you had of a person bent over a table casting magical spells into this basin. Sitting inside the basin is a very familiar-looking object to all of you now. It's a little rough-cut gemstone that you recognize immediately as a piece. Luthor's piece, to be precise. Also, there are a few other things. Well... Other than an assortment of gold and gems, there's one thing that catches your eye. Sitting on a little satin pillow is a pair of delicate gold-framed eyeglasses. And upon seeing these eyeglasses, Elva gasps. (gasps) Okay. That's Maleficus's basin. That's what we need to bring to the Crucible to do the ritual to destroy the pieces. Um, there's something else we can do with it in the meantime, though. And she reaches down into the chest and retrieves the basin. It's probably half a meter by half a meter of solid stone. Uh, and it's maybe, you know, 10 centimeters deep. And she retrieves it and places it on the so ground in front of the chest. Elva's How does she think? Is it like wrong? Is what yeah. you're saying? What the yeah, hell? Dude. She just picks it up? She's beefy as hell. She's a godlike wizard. She used magic, you assume. Oh, right. So it, was, ah. it wasn't like she fucking, like, like you know, like strongman competition. She didn't sort of bench like, press we, it. No. Right, we can't tell because of her flowing robes, but underneath each of her elbows, there are actually Big B's magic hands just holding right. her arms up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and she just does that for effect. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. She has the impression of an old lady, but actually she's really strong underneath. Her whole life is, like, the act. That's the prestige, etc. Et yes, cetera. the prestige. Yes, that's correct. Uh-huh. Um, and she places the basin on the ground with the piece inside it. And uh, she then reaches past the rim of the basin, uh, of the chest again, and delicately grasps the eyeglasses and says, I can't believe Luthor left these. I can't believe Luthor allowed himself to leave material plane without destroying these fucking things. These Luthor's eyeglasses are some of the most dangerous things I think he ever made. Why? They're a distillation of our space and time-bending magic that we created when we created the web, but into a physical object. Just what do they do? I'm getting there. They allow the wearer to see 
briefly a glimpse forward in time. Whoa. But in order to do that, in order to compress time to allow that to occur, they must also compress space. They compress the space on the wearer when they activate the glasses, and the effects can be devastating. So they shrink? The person wearing it shrinks? Is that? No. Space itself around the wearer contracts, and as I said, the effects can be extremely damaging. People have been wounded severely trying to use Luthor's glasses. But let's say, <clears throat> let's say you fired yourself out of a catapult, and in midair you put them on, and only air could collapse in on you. <laughs> she says, I think that's how, not, not how it works, but... <laughs> <laughs> And then she says, look, look, the glasses are not without their uses, absolutely. They have a limited amount of power. I can't say how much is left. They were built as a sort of uh, expendable item. So what, what you're saying is there hasn't been somebody thick enough to use them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she chuckles a little bit and then says, look, I won't pretend these glasses aren't valuable. I'm just saying they're fucking dangerous, so we should only use them if we absolutely have to. And in gameplay mechanics, what these glasses do, Luthor's eyeglasses, uh, allow the wearer to see forward in time five minutes. They have three charges on them, and then they will cease to work forever. Um, and How many charges? Three. And that five minutes is based on the actions the wearer is currently taking. Um, but there is a chance that you're going to take a lot of bludgeoning damage. I'm going to get you to roll a d100 if you use these things, and depending on the outcome of that, you may take some bludgeoning damage due to a malfunction of Luthor's glasses. As in, that's the amount of damage we'll take if we roll. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's the percentage. That's the percentage chance. You're not. Yeah, no. That's yeah. the percentage chance that you, there's a percentage chance you'll take no damage at all. Yeah. Cool. Um, and there's a percentage chance that you'll take a lot of damage, and there's a percentage chance that you'll take some damage. Right. <laughs> so based on the outcome of the rolls. Yeah. Cool. I thought that was just a fun little item as we get into yeah, the finale that's here. Lit. That's a little lit. bit of fucking time seeing goggles. Yeah. So a big strong basin. We have. There's a piece. There's the glasses. It's actually a big structural basin. Yeah. Big, big structural basin. Do you, do you guys get that one meme? That reference? No, no. I just thought you were referencing her beefy ass. No, uh, big <laughs> big structural bailey. That's literally what I call Duncan's ass. Big structural bailey is this insane <laughs> meme that came out of the Elizabeth Warren uh, Democratic nomination campaign where she was at a rally and, like, her supporters were all chanting, like, Warren, Warren. And then, like, behind her was, like, a big, like, statue of her dog, Bailey. And at some point, like, at some point, the crowd just started chanting, Big Structural Bailey! Big Structural Bailey! It was so fucking strange and incredible at the same time. Are you sure they weren't chanting Big Statue of Bailey? No, it's definitely Big Structural Bailey. Just Google Big Structural Bailey and see the... see right. Anyway. Maybe um, somebody started it out as that and then it became... You know what crowds are like. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, okay, so uh, Elva says... Okay, so um, everybody give me your pieces real quick. Just, 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 just throw them in the basin. 
We don't have them. They're in the box. She says, yeah, yeah, get them out of the box. We've got, well, take the gold and shit in the box if you want it. We, I can empower the gems. We're down here in a subweb, which is great. I can empower the pieces and it'll give us a little bit of extra firepower going forward. That sounds very cool. Wait, so the gold, how much gold? What are we talking about here? Uh, there are... Jody, I never know you need to be like this. I'm not using Jody's voice. This is Jackson Usud. 2020 is all about prospecting for me. There are <laughs> gems and ancient gold coins to the value of a thousand gold pieces. Tight. I imagine you guys scoop that up to go with your just like absurd amount of wealth at this point. Yeah, Duncan can yep. start paying back that debt he owes me. In <laughs> <laughs> I have no record of that on my sheet. Don't worry, you I got it. You borrowed money from us to buy chainmail. It's is in the digital to? audio record. <laughs> You're going to have um, to find the sound bite. At the moment, I just got 333 GP. <laughs> okay, so do you guys give um, Elva your pieces? Yep. Okay, Elva takes all the pieces from the box. And she turns into Malavagus. And what? And she turns into Malavagus and she disappears, that's right. <laughs> She's like, her later yes. suckers, and yeah. she fucking bamps out of there. And then maybe half an hour later, the world ends. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, you guys... See her take the bases, uh, the pieces, and place them in Maleficus's basin, and then she uh, stoops down low over the basin and puts both of her hands on it and starts muttering to herself low. And a few moments later, you see her hands, and then the basin, and then the pieces within the basin begin to glow faintly, and you feel that kind of magical thrumming vibratory energy that you felt in various degrees of proximity to cine locations and it feels like stronger down here in this little subweb like you're closer to its source then elva stops and the light dissipates and that sort of energy coming off the pieces that's kind of always there, but it's like when there's a sound that's ever-present in the background and you tune it out, you've kind of become used to the, like, energy hum coming off these pieces. Now, it seems more intense. It's present in your mind. You can hear and sort of feel it again. And the gameplay mechanic of that is that if you go slot those pieces back into your various weapons, all of them go from being plus one to being plus two, baby. You all just got a big old level up in your attack and damage rolls. So, gotta get to that. How about that? Everybody's Did you say they go from plus one to plus two? That's right. Mine is already plus two. Plus two damage as well? Yeah, yeah. Plus two to attack and damage. Yours is plus two against things that don't have... Um... But, uh, no, it's probably because it's plus two because of the arcane amplifier. Yes, that's right, which you don't currently have active. Yeah. So now when you have so the actually, amplifier Thomas, active... T- so, like, retroactively take back, like, one damage of every strike you've ever done for the past, like, four, sessions. four months. Since you guys <laughs> since you guys left Garrick with the piece that was powering the arcane amplifier, all of your weapons are back to being plus one. But now that you've got Luthor's piece, you can slot that back in the arcane amplifier, power that up again, and so all of your weapons... plus three. Yeah, it'll be plus three. All of your weapons will be plus three. And DK, you've got that extra plus one against things that aren't wearing armor. Yeah. So, fuck yeah. You guys have, have done it. You've got plus three weapons at plus three to attack and damage on top of all of your fuck regular yeah. bonuses. Oh, we're going to be so powerful. So beefy. Um, and hey, as you guys receive those various items and weapon power-ups and complete the final Sine Temple... You guys all level up, not once, but twice, baby! Double level up! 
Yes, get it. Lip D- black. D- Double level up. If yeah. Only we leveled up three times so that we could say that we tripled ourselves. <laughs> Callback, throwback, references, episode. Then you'd be triple threat. I love that. It's the clip show. Hey, oh, it's me, Big B, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and also Spider-Man. That's, uh, shouldn't have revealed my identity, but there you go. Um, welcome. Here we are. We are in the start of the finale. I cannot fucking believe it. Thank you all so, so, so much for listening and for all of your support throughout the show. We really, really wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it. Um, just so we're all on the same page, re expectations for the remainder of the show. This episode is obviously going up on a Saturday rather than a Friday, and for the next few episodes, the multi-part finale, that is, that's going to be the new norm. The extra time on the Saturday just, you know, it gives me the extra time to put a last little bit of polish on the content before we get it out the door to you. Hopefully that doesn't ruffle too many feathers. Personally, I think it is for the best. So I'm going to keep this one short, other than to say thank you so much again for your support and for listening. I'm so excited for you to hear what we've got coming up in the rest of the finale. This was kind of our putting pieces into place, moving pieces around on the board episode. Um, if you wanted to get a friend on board to listen to the finale with you, you could point them in the direction of our now completed recap series. Chapters 19.5, 39.5, and last week's 55.5, which will catch them up on the entire show up to this very episode. Okay, thanks again for listening. You're all the best. I won't take up any more of your time. Enjoy the rest of the show. So we go up to 16 now? 16. Yeah, you guys are level 16. Sweet 16. Hey, <laughs> let's do those hit die rolls. Let's do those hit die rolls. Duncan, let's do both of Duncan's now. I want to do them now. I'm going to take one of yours. Well, actually, how's that going to work? We should do them one at a time. So Okay, well, I put mine I put mine left to right. So okay. we'll say the first one is on the left, the second one is on the right. Okay. You don't know what they are, so you can do whatever no. you want. Yeah, so which, which one of mine do you want? Do you want my left one or my right one? Hmm... Oh, no, okay, I'll take my right one. I'll take your left one. My left one was a four. <laughs> Fuck you. So what, what did you get all up? <laughs> nah, it's all good. My left one was a two, so I'm still Okay, I'm still, still up. Okay, so you can have my yeah. four and your right one, whatever that was. Great. Okay. It was um, a ten. Nice. nice. Okay, so 14 plus two lots of your fucking constitution, you're up there. Let's do Jody next. So let's do, the, let's do these one at a time, like, like you know, normal people. Nice. Um, okay, you taking your first one or my first one? I'll take mine, I got a six. Nice, and the second one? Um, I'll take yours. It's a seven. Yes! I rolled nice. a one, baby. Oh, nice, huge. Okay, uh, and Druzzy, is this going to be the first time Druzzy doesn't get a six on her hit die roll? Let's find Absolutely out. Absolutely not. I take yours. It's a four. <laughs> Better than my three. And the next one? Ooh, I take yours. It's a five. Better than my three. Nice. Ew. Okay. That Still beat couldn't beat me. But I feel like 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 Jody's pulling ahead there a little bit with a six and a seven over yeah. a four and a five and also the extra pluses. Very good. So everybody add up your hit points. A fuck yeah. What happens? And it really to- um, brings me back from the brink of nine hit points. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 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 So what happens to Duncan? Uh, as he achieves level 16 status. And are you are you putting these levels into Ranger or Fighter? Is it all Ranger from here? Um, I think it's all Ranger from here. Okay. So that makes Duncan a what? Level 12 Fighter, four. level 4 Ranger? Yeah. Okay, nice. What happens to Duncan as a level 4 Ranger? He's going to get some spells, I bet. Um, well, I get one, more, one new spell. 
Ability score improvement can be swapped out for a feat, eh? Absolutely. You can take a feat, you can take a treat on your feet. So don't kind of get a new spell and an ability score improvement. Spell. I haven't figured out what that is yet. Yep. I get primeval awareness. So nice. I can now uh, communicate simple ideas to a beast as an action. And I can read its basic mood and intent. That's huge. I learn its emotional state, whether it is affected by magic of any sort, its short-term needs, such as food or safety. Yeah. Um, and actions I could take to persuade it not to attack. That's that's pretty. I can that's pretty also powerful. attune my senses to determine if any of my favorite enemies lurk nearby. And given my favorite enemy is humanoid, I can basically just be like, "What's around?" Yeah, nice. That's that's pretty handy actually. I, I'm attributing like this like level up of ranger ability, like and the, the magical aspect of it, to Duncan, <clears throat> like being in this little like subweb spot when this level up occurs, and yeah, getting a little bit of extra magic juice in the mix. Yeah. Um, it's literally, like, this thing, like, within five miles, I can figure out, like, how many there are, their general direction and distance, even if there's, like, multiple groups of humanoids within five miles of me. Yeah, nice. I think, like, the way it, strictly speaking, works with your favorite enemy is you have to pick two specific, like, races of humanoid, but double-check that. that and confirm. Um, that's a neat-ass feature. But you're gonna pick a, a what, a level- do you have level two spells now at level four as a ranger? Nah. Oh, really? It's level 4 first level. Still the first level spells. Okay, but you get more spell slots and another spell. So that's neat. So you can have a look at that spell and also what your feat's going to be whilst I talk to my good friend Jody Mistana about what he gets at level 16. Yeah, so one cool thing is that, I mean, ability score improvement, my wisdom's at 20 now, which means my Ooh. AC is 20. Ooh. Um, and my DC is much higher and that sort of thing. Um, but you regular stuff, more key points. Um, I think probably most interesting from a player perspective uh, is that if the others were watching Jody, that was happening... Um, they probably would have seen him, like, kind of, like, quiver a little bit and, like, sort of, like, shake and then stop. Uh, and then Jody has gone through something that happens to, like, monks as they grow more powerful, uh, and I guess more wise in a sense. Um, and so he has this thing called Timeless Body now, which means that, uh, his key is now strong enough that it sustains him so that he will suffer none of the frailty of old age. Um, and no longer needs food or water to sustain himself or anything like that. Um, but in a way, it sort of feels, I think that that sort of happens and Jody feels like an immense brief sadness for a second. Yeah, wow. So Jody, like, he's ageless now. Yeah. He's just oh. like, he'll never die of old age. Never, never of old age, no. What? He's the ageless stranger. Wait, no, sorry, hang on, no. He can die of old age. It's just that he'll, he'll not physically age or grow more frail and that sort of thing. Okay. Um. So he's basically, he's joined the 27th Forever Club. Yeah, um, wow. Uh, Fuck. Yeah. That's incredible. And so what, he doesn't need food or water? Nope. H- how do you think that, like, wh- what's the what's the in-fiction reason for that to have happened to Jody? Um, I think it's, like, a thing that he's been aware of happening, but... I think he feels like a deep existential panic about it, um, because he's sort of becoming less human. Well, that, and he's never gonna physically move on from this. These he moments. can never grow old with anyone. Yeah, like that. But but also, like he he physically he will never move past this moment of preparing to try and like save everything from these like awful people. So I think he's like in a sense he just feels immediately very stuck. Yeah. yeah, wow. Uh, so, 20 Wisdom also probably doesn't change your damage rolls, but it will change your spells and your, and your shit like that, or yep. your, your monk features. That's, yeah, yeah, all my monk features, yeah. That's good footy. I love it. That's literally just like a flavor thing, hey? Like, yeah. They just throw in for like a monk at level 16. That's at, at, that's at 15, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Very cool. And the ability score improvement. Nice. What happens to Drazilia at level 20? 
Um, she's not a level 20. She's level 16. Sorry, Drazilia leveled up eight times. She's level 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had an ability score improvement, which I funneled into constitution. Whoa! To uh, take me a little bit further from the brink of death. Wait, 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 wait. So what's your constitution now? 18. What the fuck? You're a sorcerer with 18 con! Okay, so that puts your con up from, what, 16 to 18? Yeah, what's up? And your charisma's at 20. Yep. I love how Drasilia at no point was like, you know what I'd love to get better at? Throwing daggers, a thing I'm obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> um, and instead, just get fucking thicker and thicker as, it, as, yep. as the days go on. Nice. Okay. Um, 18 con. That means you retroactively gain plus one hit point for every level. So you just gained 16 hit points oh, and 16 hell. to your max. So can yeah. I just get a quick recap of everyone's max HP right now? What's Duncan's current max? 157. And and Drasilia? 133. Jesus Christ. And what about Joni Mastana? 129. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Oh, oh that's Here we are. Jo- Jody is wise enough now to know that he's still harder to hit though. Yeah. So. But like that's that's what happens when you build an 18 con sorcerer <laughs> with a draconic bloodline. <laughs> Yes, it is. So, that's that. Uh, what else happens to Drazi? She gets some more spells, I bet. Yeah, I got a level 8 spell. Fuck me, yes, what is it? Have you chosen it? They're not that great. There's some fun choices. I did toy around with Dominate Monster, which is a pretty fun title. That sounds and like... also also, um, Power Word Stun, which yep. is like you just say a powerful word and the person is stunned. <laughs> That would um, play into the high charisma kind of character angle. Yeah. Like a child it saying would. fuck. Yes. But um, I have actually decided to go with, since we're facing this kind of legendary dark enemy, um, Drasilia has chosen Sunburst, which um, when it is cast, it creates a 60-foot radius bowl of light, and anybody inside the bowl, um, if they fail their saving throw, is blinded for a minute. And they take 12d6 damage. <laughs> nice. Cannot wait for Jody Duncan to get blinded by this. I this cannot wait game. either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Druzzy, like in the face of impending darkness, feels like she needs to bring the light. Exactly. All right. I'm into it. All right, DK, have you picked a feat yet and a spell? I think I actually might go with Fog Cloud for strategic reasons. Fog Cloud's a good spell. And do you think, like, the in-game thing is, like, Duncan learned how to fart so good oh, that he makes a big fart cloud everywhere he goes? Is that... Um, no. I think... So, you see, now, what we didn't really get onto is that the other thing I get at this level is I join my Ranger Enclave. Nice! And the cool thing about that, of course, is that I'm not using one of the chump Ranger Enclaves from the player's handbook. I'm using one... From Xanathar's Guide to Everything, yes, called Horizon Walker. Okay, what does a Horizon um, Walker do, Tom? Yeah, so now, BMAC, would you say that things like the obelisks might count as planar portals? Before we get there, why don't you tell me? What... <laughs> I would say that probably, yeah, <laughs> probably they would count as, as planar portals. So, Maybe, I think, is what you're trying to say there, <laughs> Yeah, depending on, depending on where you're going with this. Um, so, with, with my joining of the Enclave at th- third ranger level, 
I I get um, an extra spell. In this case, it's protection from evil and good. I also get detect portal, which means that as an action, I can detect the distance and direction of the closest planar portal within a mile of me. Yeah, abso-fucking-lutely, dude. And that tracks so nicely that, like, Duncan with his new ranger magic has, like... And he spent a while, like, chasing down and sniffing out obelisks, like, in, in the real world, in forests and shit. I love that. I think absolutely Duncan can detect obelisks now. Fantastic. And then also, I am a planar warrior, which means <laughs> that I have learned to draw on the energy of the multiverse. So I feel like Duncan is basically doing the tiniest version of what the pieces do, if that is okay with your cannon. <laughs> and as a bonus action, I choose one creature within 30 feet, and the next time I hit them with a weapon attack this turn, all the damage I deal of them is force damage, and it's with a bonus D8. Wow. Yeah, nice. I think the way that I'll, I'll slightly cano- cano- canonify that is that Duncan has, like, through exposure to them, learned how to, like, draw a bit of extra power out of the pieces in his weapon to deal that extra damage. I'm kind of into yeah, that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool, that's cool. that's sick, so, dude. I love all of that. I'm still working on my feet because I'm loath to do like the boring stat bump. So I'm going to try and find a feat that'll work. Yep. So I'll get back to you on the feet. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. All right. So we've done the level up. So Elva says, okay, the pieces are empowered and I guess we need to decide what we're going to do next. Did you say we were going to have a rendezvous with um, Valeria's friend Alva? Was that the plan? Yeah. Okay. The one whose name sounds superficially similar to mine. Yes. Um, okay, good. We'll meet up with them. Where exactly? It's the Temple of Life. Ah, Glinda, Ionthe, and Dandelo's Temple. Very good. Ah, uh, it's the transportation tube that transported you here. I suppose it's probably still waiting on the other side of the obelisk in the basement of the temple here. Very good. We should be able to get there in good time. Is it not outside the, the webstorm? The webstorm uh, dissipated when you guys... Okay, and the tubes sort of came through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. How okay. would you feel about my fog clouds being miniature webstorms? Bleeding <laughs> <laughs> um, into the real world. I think flavor-wise, I'm fine <laughs> with that. But that's but, like casting silence, basically. Yeah, but they're not going to have the effect of the web still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they'll just like... It's they'll like, look like... I, I, like, half pull them through sort of thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. nice. But, dude, also they have to come out of your butt. No! Stop making about farts. Duncan is a sophisticated <laughs> being. Um, Valeria says... He contains multitudes. <laughs> he, he contains multiverses, and that's what he's farting out all the time. Oh, choice, dude. <laughs> Valeria says, um, okay then, um, I guess let's, let's pack up and get moving. So, um, Garrick has one of the pieces, if I'm not mistaken, and, and he'll be there with it. So that's, uh, eight pieces. And then Maleficus and Esme each have one. That's ten. Do we know where the other two are? Valeria, we need to talk about Garrick. Do, what do you mean? What? Why? He'll have him when we meet up. <clears throat> He's been taken. Uh, uh, uh. What? He's been... Where? What, what do you mean? Taken? In the... In the what happened? In the so attack on Alva? Delay this until... A, at what point? Was it later on? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Jazzy. The only way we can know for sure is t- to get to the others. They'll be able to tell us. 
Valeria looks crestfallen and puts a hand up to her mouth for a minute, and you see like her eyes welling up, and then she composes herself and says, "Okay, yeah. If they've taken him, they've they've probably taken him towards the crucible anyway. So let's just." Get going. And she immediately picks up her share of the shit and starts walking back over to the barber chairs that teleported you guys in here. Now Drozzy feels like an idiot. <laughs> and a bit of an asshole, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, She's like, dear. Jody, give her a hug. Give her a hug. <laughs> You're the emotional one here. Yeah, the empath. <laughs> yeah, the extremely wise one. Um, I think jo- I think Jody's just like kind of silent and like sort of heads towards the chair and like sort of straps himself in to, you know, get to the others ASAP. Okay. Um, do you guys all go strap yourselves into the into the barber chairs then? That's how we get out, yeah. I mean, if that's how we get out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you see Valeria do it and... <laughs> Sorry, Duncan slipping in and out of the yeah. real world. Yeah. Now yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. Whoa, it's like a it's like a it's like a, a nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing. Um <laughs> where Duncan's coming in and out of our dreams. So you see Valeria and Elva walk over, strap themselves into these Cine thrones, and then immediately, like they've received the kick in Inception, get sucked up into the next level. Uh, <laughs> Jody does the same thing, and yeah, presumably you all do that. And then you're back in that room inside Luthor's castle. And yeah, like, do we assume you guys just, like, at a frantic pace, move back through the Temple of Sky, down towards um, the Cine transport tube back in the web? Yeah, I think if nothing comes up, we probably head at pretty fast, quiet pace. Okay. Yeah, do we have pertinent abilities? Did anyone get anything which would, like, sort of make sense to use here, or...? I can make a burst of sunlight to cheer up Valeria, but, um... And then what, fry her? Like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, cheer up, what, have like... some sun! <laughs> Very temporarily, cheer up. <laughs> We're now back in the middle of the storm? No, no, no. The storm has disappeared. Like, you're, you're in the real world. Like, you're walking back through the temple where you did all the challenges back out to the obelisk that you guys teleported into where you met Valerian, like, I don't know, four or five episodes ago. Yeah, I think so if no one has anything, I think we're just rolling through. Yep. Yeah. Okay, nice. So you guys roll through, the web storm has dissipated, and you can see, like, at the, you know, far end of where the web storm would have been, like, the Cine transport tube is waiting, and you guys can roll over and get into it. I think on that walk, Elva is kind of like, okay, so, to Valeria's point, because Valeria is very much, like, stoic and walking quietly, and she was just asking about the pieces, but, like, Elva's now kind of taken that over, and I'm using the wrong voice. So Elva's voice goes like this, okay, so, to Valeria's point, ten pieces accounted for. If I'm not mistaken, from the readings that I was able to take, all the temples have been activated, so all the pieces have been claimed. Do we know where any of the others might be? And I'll tell you guys this, because this is definitely not news to your characters, it's just something you've forgotten. Elena straight up told you that some people within the Eastern League have pieces, right? Because they were using the web to move around, and that's how they were teleporting around inside the Ashwood. So the seven that you guys currently have... Eight being the one that you gave to Garrick, which is now in possession of Elena. Nine and ten being Maleficus and Esme. Eleven and twelve, you guys know, are the ones that the Eastern League have their hands on. And all of the temples have been activated. They're with the Eastern League. She says, Okay, that, um, that's unsurprising, I believe. The Temple of Power was far to the east, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know about this Eastern League. That's obviously beyond my time. It used to just be the land to the 
east, but that makes sense if there's some kind of nation over there. We're going to have to get our hands on those as well. Man, I really hope the Eastern League has early funds, because I'm here for it. <laughs> she says, um, okay, so the Temple of Life should be relatively near the Crucible. They're both contained within the Great Wood. So, Temple of Life, rendezvous with your friends, pick up the beasts, plan, and then we head for the Crucible. Yeah. I think at some point, um, when we're walking back to the transport, Drazilia actually gives her sending stone to Valeria and is like, if you want to check in with the others, see what's going on, ask about Garrick, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can use this. It's a really clever way of Drazilia palming off her responsibility there, hey? <laughs> <Yes>. What? <laughs> she, she takes it from you gratefully and says, thank you, Drazilia, that means a lot. And you guys pile in the tube, and Elva says, Okay, given we're going for speed here, I'm gonna overclock this thing. And she waves her hand over the control panel inside, and she jams on the throttle, and you oh, guys. Nitro, are, baby. Yeah, it's got that nitro. Well, she you guys jams are, on the throttle. Okay. Oh, you guys are immediately pushed back into your seats in the transport tube, and you feel yourself yes. fucking humming the fuck along at speed, heading this time Angels full throttle. east, back towards the Ashwood within the web. So, we talked a little bit before about how, like, like, do you think at this point, T, Duncan has- because we haven't, we haven't spoken about it in character, like, we kind of talked earlier about how it's been, like- all the pieces have been there for Duncan to figure this out. Like, the rune that he saw in his vision that matches the rune that he now knows is Crucible because that was translated for him by Elva. Like, Duncan probably has put together the fact that Snakesbane Spring sits atop the Crucible, right? I would say so. And, like, we definitely haven't spoken about that in character. Like, Elva knows, like, where the Crucible is, but, like, she doesn't know what Snakesbane Spring is. Like, do you think... Like, how do you think Duncan feels about that the fact that like he grew up you know after he left his hometown like his north pole i believe you called your um christmas theme i can't fucking believe that Stupid. this is like our fucking i can't believe we let that be canon well i reckon we pull uh disney and we say that that specific bit of canon is now legends right and we might let it be true. <laughs> okay, so so the, the, the retroactive canon is that Duncan left his childhood home at some point and ended up in Snakesbane Spring as a young man. Yes, yes. Okay, and how do you think he feels about the fact, like, now knowing everything he knows, that, like, that place that was formative for him is basically the Crucible, or sits atop the Crucible? Um, I reckon probably mostly he's thinking he knows how to run a land invasion of the location. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that might be part of his thought profile, right? Because, like, we, we haven't spoken, like, at all about Snakesbane Spring, really, other than the fact that it exists and that it was a mining town or quarrying town, specifically, and, like, a place that Duncan grew up. Like, how, in your mind, like, how long did Duncan spend there? Because we, like, way back at the beginning, we talked about, like, Duncan's backstory before he joined the army, like, before he joined up with the werewolf, he was like, just living in Snakesbane Spring, and then Snakesbane Spring, like, Duncan, by the way, like, and we've we've talked about this a little bit as well, like, would certainly be aware of the fact that, like, that area, that town, was, like, a dwarven town, and it was, like, taken over by the Eastern League 
whilst Tonkam was living there, his family were displaced, and it's been like a point of like strategic um, back and forth between the two armies ever since. So how long did Duncan spend in Snakesbane Spring? Uh, I reckon Duncan was probably in Snakesbane Spring for six to eight years. Oh, yeah, of his, like, young adulthood kind of time frame? Yeah, probably more like six. Okay, so uh, not... He probably, not- headed, he probably headed to the army. Well, look, now, actually, he's a dwarf. So six in dwarf years. Yeah, like right. More human years than that. Equivalent of about six years, yeah. I think it'd be more like probably more like 18 or 20, I would think. So, what did he do there? Like, what was his job in Snake's Bane Spring? He he helped them find, or rather keep an eye out for any structural weaknesses in the mine tunnels. Right, so he, like, worked on, like, the quarrying crews. Yeah, and he, that's... with his dwarven stone knowledge, would help um, sort of figure out where collapses might occur, for instance. And that's probably also where he picked up some of his, like, background knowledge about the history of stone and stonework. Exactly, yeah. At what point in his life in Snakesbane Spring did Duncan realize that he had an aptitude for fighting? Um, I think probably when um, the first Eastern League assault on the city came. Right. So, like, it was straight up, like, uh, so, so maybe, like, the attacks on Espera and Hastings that you guys have now lived through were, like, almost a little bit of, like, a too-close-to-home moment for Duncan. Uh, y- yeah, I mean, I think probably it will have started as almost, like, Eastern League units moving through the area would come in to seize supplies or something, and it would turn into minor skirmishes, and then that eventually became the Eastern League taking Snakesbane Spring at one point, which is when Duncan left to join the army. Yeah, right. And so, like, you think, like, throughout that, he kind of, like, tried to marshal the town to try and, like, set up a defense and, like, got got to cut his teeth a bit, like, fighting and military commanding? Uh, I I doubt he really had any command there. I think he sort of found the command when he was in the army, but was just one of a bunch of people trying to protect their home. How does he feel about going back there? Um, I don't think it would hit as hard for him as places like Hastings or Espera are for the other two because he was already out of home sort of thing. It was like it was already the second attempt at living somewhere peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like, you know, home goes shit. So you're like, okay, well, I'll go try and build another home. And then it goes shit again. And you're just like, oh, okay, this doesn't work. I'm joining the army. All I do is kill. So you guys are sitting in the tube, rocketing eastwards towards meeting up with Elena and Alva and the rest of the refugees to plan your next moves. How are you going to get the pieces from the Eastern League? How are you going to get into Snakesbane Spring and the crucible underneath it? And... It's a few hours that you're in this tube and you're all so tired and wounded and after a few minutes, maybe half an hour, Elva says, it's okay if you guys want to take this opportunity to catch some shut-eye. It's probably the last chance we're going to get for a while. Oh, thank God. <laughs> How do you think everyone feels about that? Are we, we settling down for sleep? Yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And I think like, as you guys settle down into, like, a fitful, sort of restless slumber, Duncan in particular is kind of 
reflecting on his past in Snakesbane Spring and thinking about some of the stuff we were just discussing. And eventually Duncan does fall into a dream, and that evening he's plagued by recollections of a slightly different time in his past. Recollections of his time with the werewolf. We see three Cine transport tubes lancing eastwards through the blackness of the web. The first is the tube we've just left. It contains our heroes, settling into a much-deserved rest and preparing for the battle to come. The second contains their friends, Alvar, Elena, the Halimians, and a handful of refugees. Alvar is deep in thought, summarizing, scheming, planning. The third tube contains two figures that we can see, one familiar and one not. The familiar, if bloodied figure is Garrick, bound at hand and foot, tied to his seat. He spits out a mouthful of blood and exclaims, I already told you, I don't know where the other pieces are. I wouldn't tell you if I did. At this, the less familiar figure steps forward. He's wearing impeccably polished black leather armor. He isn't a large man, but he exudes an aura of authority. His face is mostly nondescript, but not unsightly. His smile, however, is sickening. It's the werewolf. He approaches Garrick. Well, it doesn't really matter anyway, Garrick. You see, you're a small fish, and a small fish might not be great for reading, but it certainly makes for decent bait. Your friends will be coming for you, of that I have no doubt. And when they do, they'll be walking right into a trap. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chappell, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsom. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.